What is that? Are you crying? No, it's sweat. Really struggling to handle the heat. That's uh, Val Kilmer in The Heat. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crap, it's just heat. Damn it. Like, you know, even if there's, for the free channels, you're not going to need an antenna or anything anymore just to get your local, um, your local channels. You'll just watch them. You're telling me that entertainment won't be uh, broadcasted via a line dedicated just to that? It was buried in the ground and rubbed to each house. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Well, you know, it uh, that does seem the, the more efficient way to do things, but... Seems think, implausible uh, to me. I, I can't think of an alternative. Now the story of an eclectic fan base who lost touch with reality and the one podcast that somehow holds them all together. It's the substandard expanded universe. Welcome to the SSEU podcast, the internet's premier counting podcast. In fact, it has become so well known among fans of podcasts, what are they called? Listeners, that we have started to receive emails about whether we are actually mathematicians because of our interest for counting. Ryan, do you have a comment? 197, 94. 91, it's been a good week, but I can't only hear some more of this counting. I want to see where he was going with this. 58, 55, 52, 49, 46, 43, 40, 37, 34, 31, 28, 25. It's been a while since we've done counting. Also, 19. do you guys remember my joke about the mathematician with the pencil? What, something about it no, went I'm up sorry. his butthole? No, the, the, the constipated mathematician. He worked it out with a pencil? Yeah, <laughs> it went up his butthole. I was right. 16, 13, 10, 7, 4, 1. Negative 2? Negative 2, negative 5, negative 8, negative 11, <laughs> okay. negative 14, negative 17, okay. Okay. negative 20, negative 23, negative 26. I don't have brain injury. <laughs> we have a full agenda for today's podcast. The first thing that we wanted to cover is that we are, we are currently in new negotiations with the Washington Free Beacon on becoming an official podcast since we have a change of leadership at the Free Beacon. Finally. Cotton Eddie hated us. We don't know why. I think because he met both Ryan and me in person. <laughs> yeah, he was like, oh, I'm not into that pervert stuff. Now uh, we're uh, negotiating with Eliana. Anyway, so we are, so I'm going to, I'm going to pull back the, cu- the curtain here a little bit. We are recording on Friday the... Oh my gosh, he's not wearing any underwear. <laughs> we're, we're not oh. pulling it Put back. The curtain back. Actually Put pull the back curtain in. back. Put the curtain back. Thank, thank you. So it is Friday, the 20th well, September. And today is the day of the big school strike for climate. That's right. And there are a few things in the past few months that have annoyed me as much as a 16-year-old Swedish high schooler <laughs> traveling around the world, protesting, demonstrating... Uh, doing sit-ins, die-ins, I'm not sure what she's doing, for the climate. 
And then she took a boat and she came to the US and she had a one minute speech in front of Congress. She shook hands with Obama and it was over every single fucking front page in the Swedish news. And I am so sick of this kid and I just want her to go away. Who was it? I haven't seen any of this. Greta Thunberg. You know, I would have been more likely to listen had it been Alicia Vikander. <laughs> well, big fan of her. Look, good job. We're going to have Alicia Vikander play your role from here on out. <laughs> Just go into hiding, please. So, here, so here's the thing. We have touched on this previously on this podcast. Is when children, high schoolers, are made spokespeople for different causes, like the gun, the gun campaign or the climate. And I'm a climate squish. Like I actually think the climate is worth saving, unlike my fellow co-hosts. But I still don't understand why they think this is a good idea. She's a kid. I don't know that. That one Parkland High kid's pretty smart. Cashew? Is that his name? No, that's... Cashew? No, the one that couldn't yeah, get into college well, until both, he did. They're, yeah, they're both I'm kidding. Dumb. He's, he's dumb. He's, yeah, like, but this, um, this kind of professional activism... Hog, yeah. What was Hog, his name? Hog? David no. Hogg. David Hogg. Hog. Hog. Yeah. Like, he would go on TV, this poor kid. It's not his fault that, like, he's, like, put front and center, but he'd be on CNN talking about things he has no idea. I mean, he'd be just flat out factually incorrect um and it's like it's it's the fault of these news producers who are putting him in front of cameras like these kids don't know anything and we we should not be paying attention to them yeah i mean it's not like watching firing line with buckley anymore right right and and the whole idea of just being a professional activist is kind of i'm I'm, I'm not a fan yeah me me either unless somebody wants to offer me a bunch of money (laughs) to be a professional activist uh, then I, I might see i might see the appeal then speaking of young people and the media did either of you read the story that they mentioned the sub beacon and that jvl put in his newsletter about carolyn calloway yeah i was I, mesmerized I, yeah. by it. it's kind of insane it's still hard for me to grasp that this is what some people strive to do for a living yeah they they will and it was obvious like so she was she was in college she was living a I don't know, a very fairly expensive New York City life. Uh, she yeah. was going on vacations to Iceland and Sicily or wherever it was, using her parents' credit cards, and then posting things on Instagram, buying followers. This is the world we live in. Yeah, and I, I think what bothers me most is just how hundred, how fake it is. That, that here's a, someone who garnered hundreds of thousands of followers on Instagram promoting a life that was completely fake and totally curated that um, she had basically an assistant who was her, her friend, a friend that she, she was narcissistic and the friend was kind of manipulated by, by her and, and her, um, her money and like narcissists um, get devoted followers um, mm-hmm. and people who, who are attracted to their, their charisma and um, but this girl would take photos of her, and they would stay up all night. They get good captions, and but everything about this this girl's life was fake. And I, I guess that's what I mean. All of social media is what you make of it. We have an amazing internet community that's developed around Twitter, around the sub beacon and the substandard. But of all all the bad stuff on on social media, Instagram is my least favorite because it just seems so fake. These that is the place where you have all these influencers who um, they don't actually enjoy life. They just go to a beach to get a good picture of it rather than to actually live. And that bothers me because it makes everybody else unhappy 
because they're looking at this other person's fake life and they're like, why can't I have a life like that? And they don't realize how fake that is. The cherry on top about the, the uh, Carolyn Calloway story. So I think it was in the piece about how the writer of the piece, Natalie, told Carolyn that it was going to come out. I looked at the Instagram afterwards. She has That's like, like what you just said before you pulled back the curtain. <laughs> and she had like 800,000 followers has 800,000 followers on Twitter yeah. or Instagram. Her main reaction to the story is disappointment that it wasn't picked up by a more major news outlet than the cut. <laughs> Quote, kind of shocked wow. that the only news outlet to pick up the hottest scoop on me and Natalie this week is not a major media platform. <laughs> You're I nobody. Like, I wish more people knew about my fraud. <laughs> Could have gotten me some more followers. Any publicity is good. Oh, publicity. she's down to 799,000 now. Oh. Something else that I saw on Twitter recently was, I have no idea, it was some sort of media outlet or whatever. It was a tweet that started to list all of the streaming services that you are now starting to be able to buy subscriptions for. So there's... The Peacock. The Peacock, which apparently... Need some of that cock. Which is NBC's? Yeah. Was that it? Okay. Yeah. Why is it called the Peacock? Is that what their logo is? That's what their to? logo yes, that's their is. Logo. Yeah. Huh. I wonder yeah. why this wasn't making sense to you. No. Okay. No. Yeah, I, their logo's a peacock. I was more on the cock trail. Uh, <laughs> I felt I saw the P there, but I was focused more on the cock part. Uh, all right, but, but so do you guys have do you guys have thought on the like I don't know we have 10, 12, 15 major streaming services like yeah it's clear that this won't last right. They can't just keep in creating more streaming services that like you have to have. You know, people are going to be paying $200 a month just for each, just to have all the streaming services. I also don't like, because I know people like, like a lot of people say, you know, about the cord uh, cutters and just like, oh, well now look at all these streaming services you have to buy. Maybe we should bundle them and put them, you know, in a cable right, package or right. something like that. Just because you kept cable and you didn't get rid of cable. You're still paying for Netflix. You're still paying for, you know, whatever the add-on is. Like, yeah, you get you're, HBO. You're yeah. still paying through it for it through your... So it's not like you can say, like, okay, you're either paying, like, this price for the streaming services or you're paying this price for cable. Because, like, if you want that stuff and you keep kept cable, you're paying for both. It just seems to me that we're, we're at peak TV right now. That yeah. There are so many shows, and, and a lot of them are good, and... I mean that's great that that we have all these media that are uh, that are producing quality content. However, um, there are just fewer and fewer shows that everybody watches. So like these legacy mm-hmm. TV shows. So Netflix announced that they've spent five hundred million to um, a- acquire the rights to Seinfeld. Seinfeld starting in twenty twenty. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. So they have to wait over a year, and yeah. it, it may like it's not even. They didn't even say January first, twenty twenty. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, twenty. <laughs> Like sometime in between a year and a half to two now. years, they've announced that they've they're, they've acquired this thing. Um, they they paid probably the same amount of money to extend Friends. Um, NBC Wait, Universal they're Friends too. They're losing Friends, right? I don't know. The tweet mentioned HBO Max, Apple TV Plus, Hulu, Netflix, Disney Plus, Peacock, Amazon Prime, CB, CBS All Access, the Criterion Channel, and Quibi. What's the other one? Quibi. Uh, so, Quibi is brand new startup that's going to specialize... I think Quibi is free, isn't it? So... Uh, I think I, is so, that's what 
bajillion dollar properties is on Quibi. Yeah, so Quibi is going to specialize in really in mobile content and oh, short form not, content. Not, so uh, they've signed up Chrissy Teigen to do something, and I, I don't. Ooh, know. We definitely know who that is. Yeah, like Chris and I talked about this. That if day. you saw, if you saw the Between Two Ferns movie that just came out today, you would know who it is. What? what she's in. And what, John Legend. What is she famous for besides being married to John Legend? She's a supermodel, I guess. She's, okay, she's, she's a model. Okay. She's a she's a she's a judge on some TV show. I don't know what TV show, but she's a judge on Ju- Justice with Judge Janine. That's what it is. Yeah, she's a judge she, on Justice. She with um, she judges Judge Janine from <laughs> the side. So. Uh, but 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 so like, how many services do you think people are going to sign up for? Let's just I'm get, just like, trying. I'm trying to think. Of, how many do I have right now? I have so. I have PlayStation View, I have ESPN Plus, I have HBO Now, I have Amazon Prime, I have Netflix, I have the Criterion Channel, I have <laughs> what else do I have? How many is that? And he only that's, shares two of those passwords with me. That's six. That, how much do you think? think you, it, how much do you spend per it, month on those six services? Oh, I don't want to know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, so PlayStation View is. Thirty-four ninety-nine a month, I think. What? For the, or maybe it's forty. What is it? It was thirty-four ninety-nine when I first signed up for it. I'm sure it's more than that now. I also have NFL Sunday ticket. That's expensive. <laughs> <laughs> I also have NBA League Pass. Uh, uh, okay. I have MLB TV. Oh my god. <laughs> so, oh my gosh, I may have a problem. <laughs> Question: Ryan, are you going to subscribe to the Peacock? Just so you can watch reruns of The Office. Well, because that's the thing is, forget on. the reruns of The Office. No, I'm not going to subscribe just to watch reruns of The Office. Or, you know, I'm not going to re- subscribe to anything. I'm not subscribing to anything to watch reruns of anything. Um, I subscribe. I, I only subscribe to things for, you know, original content that I want. And so, but the thing is, AP Bio is going to be on the Peacock only. It's Can not going to be on... Yeah, it's going to be on the cock only. It's not going to be on regular NBC anymore. Are you going to subscribe to Disney Plus? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'm excited about, like, The Mandalorian. What is he, a farmer? (laughs) And also to have, you know, the Disney movies and Marvel movies, like, the kids will like all those. So, Ryan, I I have news for you. The cheapest PlayStation View subscription is $50 a month. So you're not paying thirty-five. What? Well, that's I, well. I said when I first signed up for right, it, that's right. how much it was. So yeah, I, I knew it'd gone up, but I don't. It's like you know, automatic withdrawal. So I don't like look yeah. at it. But it's it's funny. Even PlayStation View, they have four different levels and like, I don't know, seventeen different add-ons like Showtime, Epics, Hits, yeah, uh, Cinemax, Sports Pack. Fox Soccer Plus. I mean, so there there's just so many different ways to kind of. Yeah, I think I have the sports pack too because I have NFL Red Zone, and I think that that's on the sports pack. So I remember. I have Red Zone, but and I, I only the sports pack. So okay, well then I'm then I must not because I, I don't I don't pay for any any of the other extra sports channels. So I, I just noticed that I also have Red Zone, so I didn't know if I. But, or, question, question. So do you think there is room for all of these? I don't think so. You think it's going to have to start driving down the prices some, or for some of them are just going to have to be, they're going to have... I don't you know, think... They're going to know their they niche. survive at those... I think, like, Disney Plus, I don't... I think they're... They are banking on 
building a subscriber base and getting us addicted to it for three years, they're not going to stay at seven ninety nine forever. Like with CBS All Access and in, like the Peacock channel, I mean, that's not their main. You know, that's not what they make most of their money on. So for them, it's just an extra you know thing to have. I think CBS All Access because I've had CBS All Access for like a month or something. I think it was for golf. I think I got it because there was some golf tournament that was like on Thursday and Friday. You could only watch if you had CBS all access. And then I canceled it because, but I think it was like four ninety nine a month. So imagine the Peacock will be $5 a month or something like that. So it is interesting how each, each uh, brand has, has decided, has realized this is the future. We need a streaming service. Um, to kind of survive and for the, what's coming next. And so CBS, the, they, the way they went about it was, well, we're going to create the service, and then we're, like the new Star Trek show, we're going to put exclusively on there right. so that we have something and, that, that people have to subscribe. You and know, they put that. the new the new Twilight Zone. Uh, okay. They put the, where Jordan Peele hosted the, the, the new Twilight Zone series, and, and that was on CBS All Access. And Disney was like, well, we, we have the collection like we have all the the movies and tv shows people could ever want we just don't have a means to get it so they actually purchased um the best streaming service that was available at the time and that was major league baseball's streaming service and they're like hey can you guys put our content on and so it's been like a two-year project of of them preparing uh the pipelines for uh for their for for disney for people to get all the marvel and Star Wars and is 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 any MLB is that the best one though? I mean, I don't know. It was. I mean, I I have it. I mean, available. I, I think it's that's fine. Fun. Maybe that's. I mean, uh, I think no, it's, no, no other ones were for sale. Or they acquired Hulu when they bought. Oh, Hulu! Fox. I have Hulu too. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everyone enjoys the the, the coming streaming wars and uh, feel free to share your passwords. Transition. So, Chris, do you remember when you had an do you remember when segment, but you forgot what yes. you remembered? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I remember forgetting what I was going to bring up. Yeah. You still don't remember? I still don't remember. I, like, yeah. I was hanging out yeah. with a guy, and I came up, I was like, I remember this crazy <laughs> thing that happened, like, five years ago. Like, I was like, hey, do you remember when it was relevant to our conversation? I was like, I should bring it up on the show. It was crazy when... It was, it was like the diaper woman, uh, the astronaut in the diaper. But All right. Are you ready for an advice segment, guys? Yeah. With that sort of enthusiasm, we're going to jump in. A reader or a listener writes in, I've recently split from my partner. Have you been reading the podcast? I recently split from my partner when he suggested I terminate my pregnancy. And at four months along, I did lose the baby um, to a miscarriage. I'm mentally and financially stable enough to be a single parent, so when I lost her, I decided to go down the donor route to try for another baby instead of building another relationship. I met with the donor just for a drink after texting every day for a while, and I already felt like there might be something more there. After we met, he confirmed it by voicing everything I had been thinking. We just really connected and had a lot in common and found each other very attractive. We kept it professional and arranged for a donation. <laughs> the entire time we've been talking, it's like excitement to see him completely separate from the excitement of trying to get pregnant. We met for the donation, and it was just instant. We talked for hours. We ordered takeaway. Is that is that a British term? 
takeaway instead of takeout? We ordered takeaway, and he ended up staying the night. It felt right, like we'd known each other for years. Now he wants us to date and see if anything comes from it, and he hopes to be the pro- a proper father for the baby. I'll always keep the door open, but is dating him going to complicate things? If it goes wrong, surely the worst is that I'll never see him again, which was the original plan anyway. And if he wanted shared custody, that's fine by me. It's his child, too. He's only donated to a couple of women years ago and is a single man with his own home, successful career, etc. He didn't do this with the previous women, and I'm not being naive. I just want to do what is best for the baby and myself. Any advice is appreciated. What do you boys think? What could go wrong? Hmm. <laughs> Wait, so, all right, so, question. Is she already impregnated? Yeah, yeah. It said we met for the donation, and it was just, oh, uh, I... Unclear. I, I, I'd assume so. To this point, there's there's been no sex. <laughs> Unclear. Said he ended up staying the night. Oh. I. You know, depends on what sort, how, how loose of morals they have, Thomas. Maybe she's a lapsed Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> Your favorite kind of Catholic? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, Ryan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, I have some thoughts. I kind of want to know which... One of you perverts wrote this, knowing that I have to say what I have to say. I don't feel that great about it. So, um, you know, I think that um, the best thing to do would be to, you know, meet the weird guy, you know, somewhere. And, I don't know, both of you throw yourselves in front of a bus. <laughs> so. All right, Thomas, I can guess what you're going to say. What, what, what advice do you have for this person? This is difficult, right? I think it was. I think it was really. that as as a as a lapsed Catholic, maybe she needs to to find faith again and go to church and talk to God. And I agree. Wait, what? Who uh, and uh, and then when she realizes that that probably isn't going to work because it's all <laughs> a bunch of gobbledygook, she should go see a real shrink and then go throw herself in front of a bus. <laughs> you almost said something sensible. Uh, I think it is really complicated. I understand wanting a father for this baby. All babies should should uh, be raised with a mother and a father. I know that I'm going to get canceled for saying that. I could totally see that the appeal of, uh, and especially since, like, coincidentally, this guy uh, that you've met um, seems like a, a great partner, someone that you've been looking uh, looking for, and you've been seeking a, a child apart from this. It's all very complicated um, by the fact that maybe you feel pressure um, to make this the father of your child since he's the biological father, and 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 that's just all all just uh, no, there's no there are no easy answers here. So I, I would just recommend um, going yeah, to church, easy answers. going to church, um, spending time in church, going to church every week, maybe more often, spending time in prayer, but um, certainly um, discern. Uh, the right answer in the community uh, of other believers. And um, that that's the best advice that I can give, I think. I don't think I've ever given advice quite like that before. Um, but that's, that's my advice. So we have once again provided a civil service by uh, advising some of our viewers. And uh, I... <laughs> But we all know that this show does not happen for free. And uh, we uh, have advertisers. Ryan? Are you a 76-year-old former vice president with a penchant for inappropriate touching? 
Perhaps you're a 77-year-old millionaire socialist whose whiteness shines too bright. Also, no. You might be a middle-aged Texan married to someone in the middle, with the middle name of Hoover. Or is it you're a senator from Minnesota with a secret sensory deprivation tank for unruly staffers? Well, guess what, folks? Fear not. The geniuses at We Harmony have come up with a solution for all of the potential Democratic nominees for president. Vote for Me Harmony uses its hashtag Vote for Me Harmony uses that humane shock technology to transform all of these problematic characters. Just hand your smartphone or tablet to your most physically fit staffer and watch as they endure. No, no, no. Clearly, we're joking. It's obviously too late for this group. But let's be honest. The only way to deny Donald Trump his fourth term is to get We Harmony into the chubby fingers of your of your little toddlers and Z Harmony in front of the pimple face of your teenagers and college students ASAP. We Harmony is the app that zaps the racist instincts right out of your precious littles. Sit them down with your tablet and watch them swipe right or left to affirm and dismiss the good and the bad from people of history. Swiping images in the wrong direction leads to those highly unpleasant electric pulses. Trust us, they learn quickly. Z Harmony uses the same technology to remind young adults to avoid pronouns altogether, to speak as little as possible, and to achieve the most socially acceptable facial presentation. Total blankness. A zen-like state is achieved through your development of an aggressive, shrunken personality. The testimonial, the testimonials keep rolling in. Here's what uh, Doug from Winnetica, Illinois, says: We bought, we brought our four-year-old son, Tad, to Chuck E. Cheese over in Evanston. <laughs> he headed, he headed straight for the ball pit. There were about a dozen kids already in there. Tad set his sights on this one kid whose name turned out to be Miguel. It looked very sweet at first. We taught Tad, uh, we thought Tad had just picked up a new friend. Then Tad just hurled ball after ball at this child's head. We pulled him out for a while and gave him a good talking to. But when he returned to the pit, he picked a new target, Diego. A few weeks later, we were back, and it was Alejandro's turn. We began to notice a pattern. After a few months of We Harmony, Tad targets all kids with equal <laughs> force and attention in the ball pit. Doesn't so, sound like blank, total blankness to me. That's for the teenagers, dipshit. Oh. After a few months of We Harmony, Tad targets all kids with equal force and attention in the ball pit. Well, he might be going for the weaker-looking ones, but at least he's not doing any racial profiling. Thanks, We Harmony. So get We Harmony and Z Harmony today. It may be too late for some people, but that doesn't mean we can't realize a better future for our children. I don't think that hey. ad was long enough. Can, can you do it again? Yeah, I'll uh, double it and um, Ryan, you know, throw in some... Is there an is there an offer code? WeHarmony.com and put in offer code balls pit. Speaking of presidential candidates, uh, after the last debate, someone put up one of these Twitter posts where he uh, he said, and I quote, "I forced a bot to watch over one thousand hours <laughs> of the Democratic debates and then asked it to write a Democratic debate of its own." Here is the first page. So uh, a few uh, excerpts from, from this script. Moderator 1 says, Bernie Sanders, Vermont's oldest tree, uses 1% of his words. 
Okay. Bernie Sanders. Americans go bankrupt from looking at a doctor. Bills are not good pills. We need Medicare for Paul. This awakens Joe Biden, former president of Vice. Health insurance is fun to pay for. When I was Barack Obama, nobody got sick or dead. And what was the question? And Andrew Yang boots up. He is a startup with limbs of cash. <laughs> Money is alive. I will turn America into a website with a constitution. I just, I love all of it. Uh, we'll, we'll share it on the Twitter account. When I was Barack Obama. <laughs> He's a star job. Chris, Chris, you don't find this funny? Yeah, I, I didn't find it all that funny. Really? Well, that's, yeah. that's your problem. It, did, it didn't tickle my fancy. Transition. Instead of going to movies, uh, instead of watching streaming services, you can go to the movies. And uh, you had something about this that you wanted to talk about? Yeah, a few weeks ago I mentioned that I've been listening to the Blank Check podcast. And uh, on a recent episode that I was listening to, it, I don't know how recent the episode was, but I was listening to a, an episode, I don't know which one it was, but they talked about being at... Maybe it was a Star War. I'm not sure. But they're at the movies in New York City, and they and they talked about the crowd response. And, like, they kind of gauged, you know, they're like, here's our opinion. But they also tried to gauge just popular opinion of the movie based on the crowd's response, based on how much it cheered during certain points uh, and clapped. And Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you, I cheered when The Last Jedi Star War, when it ended. <laughs> You also cheered during Vice. We have, we're on record about that. But yeah. all I could think was, first of all, when I go to movies, I try to go to the showing with the least amount of people. So I will wait literally a month to see a movie if that means I can be in an empty theater. The thought of being in a, in a theater where people are cheering out loud, who are clapping and yelling and shouting. And I, I actually saw a clip on YouTube of uh, idiots watching uh, Avengers Endgame during the I Am Iron Man part, and there's like they're l- just going nuts. I mean, they're they're jumping out of their chairs and shrieking. Ugh. That that's that seems like the most horrible experience. In, like I, I would have thrown my drink at someone. <laughs> so it was just, I guess, misanthropy corner. Um, that's all. I think, I think that, I I know I listened, I think that was the, the last Jedi episode. And I I remember them talking about that too, just like, cause it, cause they recorded like, like the day after it came out and, and they were trying, so they didn't know what people, you know, really thought of it. I guess that for some, yeah, that just seems so weird to me to be, you know, judging popular opinion based on if people, you know, (laughs) cheered or had. Out loud I don't reaction. Cheering in my theater. No, me either. Like, shut up. But yeah. but, but Ryan, don't you oftentimes go to new releases in the evening on weekends? Yeah, I guess so. Like tonight, I'm going to see Ad Astra. You're, you're seeing Downton Abbey tonight? <sighs> I'm not going to see Downtown <laughs> Abigail tonight. I'm so excited. I'm going to watch it on Tuesday. And we're going to have to wait a couple weeks to do an episode because we have something else planned in between. But I am so excited for that episode. Uh, but but so... You guys are actually going to the theater to see that trash? Most definitely. Tuesday night, baby. Why? When? Why are we doing this? Why are you guys doing this to me? Have you seen Downton Abbey, Ryan? No! 
It's a good show. It's a good show. Maggie Smith rocks. Oh, she is so great. Now, Thomas, I can't wait for this is your the stupidest troll you guys have ever done. I don't believe her. for a second that you just because you looked at the, the Wikipedia and saw oh. Someone named Maggie Smith has something to do with this. So you pretend you, know you don't know who Maggie Smith. Oh my gosh, uh, Thomas! I can't wait for you to edit a roll of her sick burns for the episode. <laughs> it's gonna be so great. I can remember two shows that were on TV in recent memory that I watched as the episodes were coming out. The f- one's Game of Thrones. And the other is Downton Abbey. Every week on PBS, whatever. I just can't wait for the ghost of Mary's ex-baby daddy, who they killed off just because he was going on to his busy filming career, which, of course, is really a mountain uh, something uh, special. Math- Michael? Matthew? 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 This is... Yeah. I, I, you know, I really hope that he's in it, at least in flashbacks. Right. He is freaking dreamy. He, that's one sexy man. Right. Would, you, would you not agree? Yeah. Ryan, are you excited for next week's episode? <laughs> what, uh, so when is Downton Abbey? When, that's, in that's two weeks. In two, two weeks? So we have... It's going to be episode 55. I, I, have to watch, I have to watch a bunch of uh, Lords of Ring, and then after that I have to watch Downtown Abbey. That's what you're We had to watch what, Hot Rod, what, Ryan. You got we to watch Hot Rod. Rod. You got to watch Rod. Hot Rod. We didn't talk about it. And so, and it was your idea, Chris. All I was saying, I was texting you guys saying how great it was because Let's I was watching the record. Joke. What? Let's check the record. I do not believe Hot Rod was my idea. Yes, because I was texting you guys saying I was watching it because I was showing it to Jonah for the first time and talking about how much he loved it. And I was saying how great it was because it's great. And then uh, you looked at the cast and you were like, oh, that does sound good. We should do this for the show. Do you want to do this for the show? And then you guys like pretended to watch it and didn't and just said that it was terrible. Okay, let me say one thing about Hot Rod, okay? The best part of Hot Rod... Cut this out. I don't... It, it gives me the confidence that on my worst day, and I mean my worst day, like a day when I didn't sleep a wink the night before... When I'm distracted because my entire family is in the ICU on the brink of death, my house burned down, and I simultaneously got a paper cut and bit my tongue and stubbed my toe, and the sub-beacon ended, um, they decided it's over, and Byron Buxton retired, and Wes Anderson signed on to be a, a, to direct a DC movie, and America annexed Sweden. I'm talking the worst day of my life, if Aaron Rodgers joined the Republican Party, if all of Minnesota's <laughs> lakes dried up, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. Um, it doesn't matter. None okay, of this is a, going in the, the show. Of my life. Not the one best part worth. of this movie is that it gives me the confidence that on the worst day of my life, blindfolded and with my right hand behind my back, I could write a better movie than this. Those are my thoughts on Hot Rod. Oh, I didn't know that you guys both thought that Ian McShane sucks. That's what you're saying. You're both on record as saying Ian McShane is a piece of shit and a terrible actor. It is. I am almost on the brink of taking back everything I said about Ian McShane because he was in this piece of trash. It is amazing how you can have all of these actors in the same movie and tur- churn out this unfunny garbage movie. 
Like it nobody, almost takes talent. Nobody knows to make what, a movie that nobody knows what that funny cat. is anymore. We know it's not this. It's so Ryan like Hot Rod and Between Two Ferns. Okay. A twi- Between Two Ferns is funny. The, you guys should watch the movie. It came out today on Netflix. It's funny. For balance's sake here, Ryan isn't alone in liking this movie. Tim, who hasn't seen a movie since 1995, also in Tim, fan of Christmas Town, is also a fan of Hot Rod. Oh, he does? Well, there you go. And <laughs> he's the person that everybody votes is the funniest, so none of this goes in the show. I'll take it down and re-edit it and put in what I want. I don't think I've seen a movie where Andy Samberg is funny. I'll be honest. That's stupid. Of course, I, I didn't watch the, the pop star one. That one looked funny. For today's episode, we have uh, all watched The South American with uh, George Clooney <laughs> in the lead from 2010. It's it's a drama, a thriller, uh, whatever. It, it's more of a drama, I think. Yeah. It is a movie that I believe all of us like, some, some more than others. And we figure we should talk about it. And uh, Chris, do, do you want to... Briefly summarize the plot of the American. Sure, yeah. Spots. And by briefly, you mean go scene by scene through the entire movie? Uh, so, so first of all, I, I want to say that the American um, is available on Netflix right now, and I would encourage everyone to watch it. And this is going to be spoiler heavy, so if you are really concerned about spoilers, pause the show right now, go to Netflix, open your internet browser or your phone app, go to Netflix, and type in the American. Wait, wait. And then hit it's a, play. Oh, you have to sign in first. Sign. I'm, if you aren't logged in, and if you didn't click the keep me logged in, make sure you do that so that you don't have to sign in every time. Sure. Um, yeah. You know, movie. if you use the app, you'll it'll just keep you logged in. So maybe go download the app. That way you don't have to go to your internet browser. Go down to the, the app. And down, down the app. Anyway, I really like this movie. It's a it's a very very cer- cerebral film. Not in that it's complicated and makes you think and talk about the movie and obsess about. It's not like uh, a movie where it's like a complicated world building. Uh, but it's a movie that that kind of makes you, it doesn't ex- it doesn't spoon feed I, things. Look, it I, I, I don't know. That Italy almost seems like a real place. <laughs> <laughs> as far as the world building, okay, but. Um, it, it it doesn't spoon feed you the, the plot like it. The first bit of the movie has you doing a lot of watching George Clooney. So you're watching him drive and park and pull his emergency <laughs> brake, and and you may be like, wow, this is a really slow movie. Uh, but what it's doing is it's bringing you into the world of an assassin, where you are constantly on high alert, where you are always assessing threats. And and scoping things out, um, and so we'll get in the plot to to the point where um, he's compromised in Sweden, and he has to the go Swedes. down to Italy, and he and he's told to go to this one city. He drives into that city, he scopes it out. We'll we'll get to this in detail in a minute. Uh, he scopes it out, and he just, it doesn't feel right. He doesn't like it, so he goes to to a neighboring town, and and the movie makes you do that. And it's interesting. Uh, I think I've only seen this movie twice. Once years ago. Um, like as we said, it came out in 2010, and then again recently, and I appreciate it so much more the second well, viewing because I kind of realized what was happening a little bit more, knowing what the, what happens in the movie. So this is one where I guess spoilers don't affect you. It actually helps explain his actions earlier in the movie. So so the movie opens uh, in Sweden. He's uh, he's sitting in front of a fire. Uh, he's uh, on the floor. There's a naked woman in bed. 
and um, and I could just I could just picture her and all of her family excited for that. Like she finally got this big film role, and they're like in the theater. They're like, "Wow, it, okay, so you're naked in the bed. I just can't wait for this. For like, this is your big break." And then, like a minute later, she gets shot in the back of the head by George Clooney. <laughs> right, because well, they go for a walk. And all of a sudden, you know, there's uh, she sees some some footprints and uh, then all of a sudden somebody shoots at them quickly. Uh, Clooney, you know, hides behind a rock and kills the kills the assassin who's trying to kill him and then tells her go back to the house to call the police and shoots her in the back of the head like right away. And it's like, you know, and he, I think I don't think he did that to cover like his tracks i think that was because he's like don't don't suggest that we go for a walk i think is what <laughs> so then he goes to I, kill yeah the, the other swedish swedish assassin who's waiting in the car and i i want to say that a couple other names for this movie could be like mountains of dead swedish assassins um <laughs> more evidence that the swedes suck at everything because they keep sending assassins out of at him the whole movie, and he just keeps killing them. <laughs> Moral of the story is, Sweden sucks, don't go there, you might get killed by an assassin. Uh, Alright, so he ends up... Well, okay, so so I have to say, I, I looked up the script of this, uh, I googled it and I found the script, and uh, in a movie like this that, that isn't reliant on dialogue explaining things, the script was really interesting. Did you guys, either of you, look at the script? No, did you send it to us? I don't uh, maybe I just said you guys should really read the script. Oh. Um, I don't even I remember you saying that. Well, you don't read my text, so. Um, Good point. So here, here's here's uh, one part of the script that, that I mean it's just a lot of you get a lot of the flavor uh, for what they're trying to convey in the script. Um, Jack's car so is driving through an amazing, hard but breathtaking landscape, and finally winds its way up a twisting mountain road. Town sits beneath its own castle, medieval towers, gables, streets, and church bells. Framed by the snow-capped mountain peaks beyond, this is not the Italy of E.M. Forster or of Bella Tuscany. This is the Italy where the Crusaders built their fortresses. The idio, the, I'm sorry, the Italy where Sergio Leone conceived his great westerns. A church bell tolls. So, I mean, the, the, what it's trying to convey is, you know, it, it's interesting putting it in those exact words. As you're watching, you're like, yeah, this isn't this isn't uh, under the Tuscan sun with Diane right. Lane. This is. The more kind of menacing, um, and and so he gets out. So he's he arrives in in Rome, and, and he calls his boss Pavel, and he's like, like they found me, and his boss is always like vaguely pissed at him, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Jack, <laughs> who was the girl? <laughs> and the boss is like, fine, I'll I'll do you know, and like meet me here, and he meets him at this cafe where he gives him car keys, cash. Um, driver's license, passport with a fake name on it, and he says go to uh, this town called Castel Vecchio, um, and he goes to that town. He enters the village, so to speak. No, he actually does enter the village. Um, he looks around and he leaves, and he yeah, chucks the phone out the window. Stares down the locals. There's and a guy. There's a guy working on his Fiat tractor. I'll bet there's some Swedish or some hipster farmer with a Fiat tractor. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, the, um, something just doesn't feel right. Chucks the phone out the window, um, which is interesting because he continues to call Pavel. 
um, his boss, and but this is the first sign that he's just like, I, who can I trust? You know how you can tell that Italy is a bit backwards? They still have phone booths that work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they he because he tosses the phone and uses phone booths to call Pavel the rest of the movie. Pavel says like, "What happened to the cell phone?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm no good with machines." When he can't get the phone booth to work the first time too, he's like, no, "Oh, I'm no good with machines." That's not a phone booth. That's a, a vending machine. Easy to mix up. Same function. Yeah, it looked the same. One of the first things he does is that he befriends a priest, right? Well, not not intentionally. The priest befriends him. Right. Yes. Yeah. Like he doesn't want to make friends. He understands that 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 any sort of entanglements are even. He, but but a priest, you know, the priest makes clear. The priest sees all. The priest immediately is like, "Oh, you're an American." Um. He's like, well, you know, what are you doing here? I, I I don't suspect this village gets many visitors, right? Yeah. It's more of a forlorn village. Remember, this is not the village. This is not the Italy of Ian Forster. This is so, he's like, what do you do? And he's like, he's. He's like, I'm on vacation, working vacation. I take pictures. So, so he invites him over. Like the priest is really trying to befriend him. Jack wants nothing to do with this, but he goes over. It just seems like right away the priest knows, like, yeah. you know, there's there's something. He gives him that Columbo treatment where he kind of plays dumb, <laughs> but he, but yeah. like very curious. Yeah. I like that Columbo treatment. I'm gonna start using that. And then when he contacts Pavel, who is his handler, or yeah, Pavel sets him up for another job. Where he says that he's not gonna need to actually hold a gun. Somebody needs. He's gonna meet somebody that's gonna tell him a certain kind of weapon that uh, she needs. It ends up being a a, a, a custom, a custom job. And so he meets with this woman. Just another, just like simple thing that kind of adds to like this life of an assassin. He's constantly assessing her, kind mm. of. Um, and you can see that what, what he does with his eyes. He's and then he notices this guy with sunglasses who just seems a little bit off. And so he's like two o'clock. Is he with yeah, you? Yeah, she light blue shirt, sunglasses. And... I think she is my least favorite part of the movie, actually. I did not like her. Perform- Matilda is the name of the character. I don't yeah. know the name of the actress. I, I don't think she was very good. I don't think... I, yeah, I, I thought she was eh, fine. I didn't think she was great, but she was uh, she was fine. But I we then we get into... Like my favorite part of this movie is him is like the just like the the, <laughs> the trade crafts that like the mechanics oh, yeah where yeah. Uh, you know he's got a you know she tells him that uh, she needs a high capacity weapon um, that's uh, and he basically comes uh, that needs to fit in a you know in a case or a small bag and um, basically he's like you need the you know uh, the range of a of a rifle with the um, what does he say the uh, something of a submachine gun? I can't remember what you what word he used. But um, it is kind of an unreasonable demand. It has to be both compact, right. uh, accurate at a long distance, and yeah. also high capacity. Yeah, and uh, and also she needs a silencer. Yeah, and so he's and he says, "Oh, okay. Well, I mean." All right, so so I have a question about all of this, and and when we see him later in the movie, where he also puts this gun together, or right, mm-hmm. and I wish we had a gun nut on the podcast, but we don't. Like, how real yeah. is this? Like, yeah, I have, I have no idea. I'd imagine it's fairly fairly <laughs> like, accurate. Like, it, it looks really cool on screen, and in the movie, yeah. it works really well. But I was mm-hmm. still, I was like, I kept wondering, like, is like. 
how how much of this is like actually based in reality and how much are they just like making up yeah that, i see i don't know like i don't know if you can just go to a mechanic shop and you know find some pieces <laughs> and make a suppressor right, for, right. for a rifle uh, so so like I honestly i, like, I read the like entire uh, i read the entire script and it seemed like a lot of craft went into exactly what he did like so in the script it described what it was that he grabbed and then how he fashioned it into a suppressor and oh, and the whole movie is based on on a book that like is really into the mechanics of it now whenever you you take anything from book to screen um obviously you have to make it visually uh you have to make the storytelling sure. work so so maybe shortcuts are taken but um I, I'd say. Uh, well, I, I think they did a pretty good job of craft. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think they did a pretty good job, like you know, showing that he he knows exactly what he's looking for, and you know he he takes great care in, in what he does. Like tre- tremendous precision and care, and yeah. so even down to the point where like he waits to do a certain amount of his work until noon the when bells are going off. Yeah. And so he does his hammering so that no one can detect that he's hammering metal. Um, and, and it's just amazing precision. And just like, here's this unhappy man, this assassin who lives kind of job to job, has no attachments in life because they can be deadly, who who sleeps terribly. You know, there's the moment where um, he's like falling asleep with a book on his lap and like the book falls to the ground. And just the bang of the book falling to the ground, he, he like he grabs the gun right next to the to the oh. bed. Like he he doesn't live a a good life. Was he or was he not supposed to be like retired when he was there in Sweden, or was he supposed to be just in hiding? Oh, he's not. Really, I think he's, he's just right. supposed to try to let the heat blow over from whatever okay. he screwed up. Right. It seems like he did something to piss yeah. off, or at least that's what uh, Pavel wants him to believe. Right. Right. Is that he's it's got possible some people... that that Pavel at some point just offs his guys right he yeah. become a problem uh, you know uh, so can we get to the prostitutes now <laughs> okay. sure so so sure. because uh, george clooney isn't having uh, the best of lives and he can't really start to date anyone because you know he's he's an assassin he's not, he is not living his best life is he yeah no like, that would be that would not no. be on his his uh, profile is is dating app profile. Oh, and I, I, but but we don't know if he would put sapiosexual on his profile. <laughs> uh, uh, but all right, so he he starts to visit uh, prostitutes because uh, everyone has uh, you know certain needs. He just visits them, just like, hello, ladies. Like your grandma you comes to visit. Just like that. Yeah, and then and then he's served tea from the sewer. Hey, I have some tea for you. Uh, but so among these prostitutes, he starts to spend more time. With... <laughs> no, he starts to spend more time with Clara. Uh, and uh, they. Did you ever see another one, or is Clara the only one? I think he sees someone else first. I think, well, yeah, I think he sees someone else first, and then. He's like, eh, you're okay. And then, <laughs> well, then he gets Clara. He gives her like a three-star rating on the app. Right. <laughs> She's pissed. <laughs> like, she downvotes him, and so the next time he gets Clara. <laughs> might be a pervert. She puts might be a pervert on his. <laughs> 
So they start the relationship, and while they start this relationship, he builds the gun for Matilda. At some point in the movie, he takes Matilda with, I guess it's a prototype of the weapon. It's not quite the finished product. And they go to the river. Right, to test shoot it. And so he brings a, he hides the gun inside a picnic basket and brings, you know, chilled champagne. And and wastes it! And pours it out. Yeah, so after they, she thinks, oh, we're actually going to drink this. He he chilled it, so we're going to have a nice drink. And he's pouring it out. She's like, why did you chill it? Like, oh, Italian police might check it. And so when they, yeah, so he takes her, they walk off towards this river, and she's like, are you sure nobody else comes here? And like, have you seen any tire tracks or footprints? And he's like, I walked both sides, um, you know, two days ago. And she says, well, let's walk it again. So they both walk it, and then they walk off into this clearing where they're going to test fire the weapon. And she says, oh, I brought my own target. And she sets up this um, metal sunflower. Yeah, and so she shoots it a couple times, and then she gives it, and so to well, prove but she to, also she she adjusts like ever so slightly the scope, right? Um, like in so like again, all these things are like very like very precision based. Like mm-hmm. so, like he could see like she's legit. Um, oh, she knows and she knows she exactly like the balance of the gun and this is that and yeah. Well, and, and she even and this this I, I didn't realize until I read the script. Uh, he put the gun together, and I guess in the script he times it with his watch, and maybe this doesn't happen in the movie. Um, but then uh, when she puts it together, she actually puts it together faster than him, meaning that she's oh, slightly more lethal. I, they they made of, a point in the movie to, to to like show his face as she's putting it together, and just kind of like like that must have been what it was. Him realizing like, oh wow, she actually is putting it together faster than I did. And so then um, after she shoots it and um, zeroes in the, the scope, um, she tells him to take the gun and go walk toward where the sunflower is and tells him to shoot like a couple bursts on either side of her so that she can test the suppression. And clearly, like this is her like, um, you know, getting his trust is like, here, I'm going to give you this loaded gun to shoot near me. So I'm definitely not going to use this to try to kill you. It's perfect. She said, I, I could not locate the sound, which is one of the big, you know, the, the, that's what the suppressor does is it, it still sounds, really? it doesn't necessarily sound like a gun. It sounds like a loud it, noise and you can't tell where it comes from. Yeah. You can't, that's the big thing is that you, it uh, disguises the location of the shooter, which is important if, if you're a clandestine shooter who wants to get away. <laughs> Um, yeah, if you want to do it more than once, <laughs> then another Swedish assassin shows up and uh, he starts following Clooney back to his little apartment. But then um, he accidentally kills the pervert on the moped um, because Clooney jumps out of the way just at the last second. Right. And then then Clooney the, steals the, the, the moped. The Swedish assassin is is so inept that he can't even manage to escape Get away when he is a car, in a car from Clooney on a what on a moped. What kind of shit Italian car was that? <laughs> it, I'm sure it was a sob. It, 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 I think it was. It, was. Yeah. it did like it, 30 miles per hour or something. <laughs> and then, you know, and then Clinic kills him and just like he snaps his he just like reaches in the car the guy the guy's got his gun he tries to get his gun and because Clooney finally shoots out his tires and he slides to a stop 
and the the Swedish assassin is trying to get his gun out, but it's stuck for some reason. And Clody, Clooney smashes his wind, the driver's side window, and just like grabs his neck. In two seconds, he's he's you know snapped his neck and he's dead. And then you know he reaches in, takes the guy's gun, and takes off and that's it he sees the priest the next day the priest tells him something bad happened here last night and he you know clearly i would think probably most people would suspect hey this weird guy from america town yeah (laughs) we know everybody in town yeah this stranger just got his neck snapped and this guy with the vespa got shot yeah yeah, and some innocent who could it be and like why why wasn't there more that was one thing i kind of thought like why? Because he keeps living there. Yeah. Like, sh- why sh- wasn't there more? Surely the like, police would have been like. I know. Like, hey, do you know anything about this <laughs> guy that killed like <laughs> right outside your door? <laughs> yeah, but but then he has like uh, um, Clooney and the priest gets confrontational. You also have a dark past. Yeah, because he so figures cool. out that Fabio, the car doctor. Is the priest's son? It's actually kind of a beautiful scene where the where the priest talks about praying for sinners, um, and and his kind of kind of love for sinners. Clooney kind of turns the tables on him, and uh, basically he gets the the priest to confess that in fact he he um, fathered a bastard son. So Father Benedetto has has a really this is the priest has a really good line um, at kind of at the end of their scene um, where he's trying to get. Clooney to confess, and Clooney doesn't... Uh, Benedetto's like, in the end, it is I who confesses to you. And Jack says, and you want me to do the same? And Father Benedetto says, perhaps, for your own good, you cannot doubt the existence of hell. You live in it. It's a place without love. As for me, I go about my daily duties because the town requires it of me. Some know what you know, perhaps. I have no right to wear these robes. And he's talking about fathering the bastard child. He says... But I do have a heart of a full, full of a father's love, something close to his heart, and for that I am both grateful and happy. And so, you, so you see this juxtaposition of kind of the the priest following his his kind of duty as he sees it in the small town, and he, he kind of feels like like Clooney is kind of his duty to kind of reconcile him to God, and he recognizes just that 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 Clooney lives this miserable existence that like like his existence is hell. Like his, his life is a, is a, uh, a life filled with just fear and on high alert. And it's a very good scene and, and pretty good writing too. Okay. So, um, there's some, some religious procession, a feast day. Uh, you know, we could look up, uh, but it would just take time for us to find out exactly what, what, what the feast day is. There's a procession. Um, and the whole town's involved. Whole so town's involved. Yeah. Streets all, are really all 50 people. All 50 people. I think they must have had some people come over from some, from some other towns. There's a lot of people in the street. And it's a big he deal. not find Clara. So he's in a crowd, and we see... Um, so we, we see Matilda assembling the rifle and, and, and sighting in George Clooney in the crowd at this procession. She sights him in. She pulls the trigger. And the, and the gun explodes in her face, like shattering like her eye socket. So, so she falls, like, I don't know, like, into the street. She's, she's stunned, but still alive, at least for a few minutes. Clooney hears the shot and knows it's her and immediately finds her because he, he knows, even though he doesn't know that where the direction is, like, he knows the town. He's walked the town, and you see him walking the town and learning all of its nooks and crannies and, like, where an assassin would, would shoot from and all that tradecraft stuff. 
he comes up to her and he said, uh, "Who do you work for? Who do you work for?" And, and she says, he, "Same man as you." Same man as you. And then she dies. They live happily ever after. Well, he so Pavel is there too because he. he Wait, was there more movie? <laughs> He finds Pavel. Uh, Pavel is is uh, he? They both he he sneaks up behind Pavel, but Pavel hears him. They both turn. He turns, and they both shoot at the same time. Pavel falls and dies, and then he has to go meet. He told Clara to go wait for him where they had the picnic, right. and so he's driving. And then you see this. I do not understand this last. Uh, like, did he not understand? that he was shot for no. after 10 minutes of driving because he's driving, he's fine. Then all of a sudden, like you see him, like he get this look on his face, like what the fuck? Yeah. And you and see, you see blood on the and, steering wheel. There's blood on his hand and he's just like, just a complete shock on his face. So I don't know if adrenaline like can kick in that much <laughs> to where you don't even realize you've been shot for several minutes. Um, I couldn't tell if he, it was worse than he thought it was or if he didn't realize he was shot at all. But uh, it, that's, that's not how I read it. I, I, I sense that that he's not that he's in denial, but he's like, I can't believe this happened. I can't believe this is the end. Um, and he's sort of like actively in denial and that, like, I'm going to fulfill this plan. I'm going to drive to the place and meet up with Clara. Was it Clara? Yeah. Yeah, Clara. I'm going to meet up with All Clara right. and we're going to run away together. And it, I thought it was beautiful and artful just how. The, the the car dies. He rolls in, and hit and just gently rubbing his tree, and suddenly you, hear, you see him. You hear the horn, and you see his face slump against the horn. Yeah, and he's and he's dead. I guess it probably is more like the just like I can't believe this is. He's just like that. He's able to. He's been because he's so good and so proficient at what he does. He's been able to bend reality to his will and everything else that he's done. And just like. There's no way that when I'm finally getting out that this is happening to me. Yeah. So he dies, and the good guys, the Swedish assassins, finally <laughs> get the win, and it's a happy ending to the movie. Pavel had to do it himself. Pavel, like, Love he it. didn't... He's, he's not even Swedish. He, he just... It's, uh... it's victory by proxy. It's fine. <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw in the Stingers, back, like, Right between Sweden and uh, Italy, George Clooney meets up with James Vanderbeek, and Vanderbeek's like at a train. He's at they're at a train station. He's like, I don't want. <laughs> you guys wait for the stingers? Uh, no, no. So he he lives. I didn't realize that. So there's going to be another American. I can't wait for the American too. The South American. American too. The, the South American. <laughs> I didn't mention this earlier, so it had a production budget of 20 million, so it's a fairly cheap movie to make. Uh, it made, got 15 of that, probably. <laughs> it got 35 domestic plus 32 foreign, so in total it made um, almost 68. That is all for us for the 53rd episode of the SSEU podcast. 197. Lucky 53. 94. Good night and good luck, everyone. Good night and good luck.